My guest today on Mission Impact is Stu Swineford, Relish Studios. Welcome to Mission Impact, the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. Stu and I talked about the nonprofit marketing ecosystem and how complex it can be, why it's so important to really be able to articulate what makes your organization different and why many nonprofits struggle with the attract phase of the marketing cycle. And before we jump into the conversation, I wanna let you know about something new I'm doing. I'm hosting the Nonprofit Leadership Roundtable every couple months. And during the roundtable, you get to talk with your peers, share an opportunity or challenge you're having at work, and get some pure coaching on the topic. The roundtable is free and I host it on Zoom. The next one will be Thursday, April 28th, 2022, and you can register on the Eventbrite website. We'll post a link from the Mission Impact website, and it would be great to see you there. All right, well, welcome, Stu. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Carol. I'm really excited to talk with you today. So I'd like to start out um, with a question around what what drew you to the work that you do? What What motivates you, and what would you describe as your why? That's a great question. I think that it comes down to, uh, you know, my initial motivation was um, opportunity. I was working as a sales guy at a a bike uh, catalog company back in the early 90s and um, had been working there for a couple of years. And one day the owner came to me and said, hey, do you want to go to lunch? And I thought, well, this is a a weird way to fire somebody. but uh, we went on a bike ride for lunch. And during that ride, he invited me to uh, help them with copywriting. Um, so at the time I was just being, I was just a sales guy, but they needed some help writing copy for the catalog business. So this, this tells you how old I am. Uh, that, that we're talking about like actual physical catalogs back in the day. Um, so I raised my hand and said, yeah, that sounds great. I, I think that sounds like fun. So I became a copywriter. And about six weeks after that, the graphic artist decided that that uh, she no longer wanted to work there and just stopped showing up. Um, so uh, we had a catalog that needed to be got, be completed and, and gotten out the door in uh, in about three or four weeks after that. And I, I thought to myself, well, I know how to turn the Mac on, so maybe this is something I can do. So I raised my hand and said, how about I t- take this on and see about being a uh, graphic designer. And uh, all of a sudden, at about the age of 23 or so, I found myself as uh, kind of the director of marketing uh, for one of the top three catalog companies in the States at the time. Um, so it was really opportunity that, that drove me initially to uh, to marketing. Um, from there, I really was able to, you know, work for during the dot-com boom and, and work for a number of agencies and eventually found myself in a position where I decided that I knew enough to be dangerous to run my own business. And so started Relish Studio back in uh, 2008. And I'm one of the co-founders of and, uh, and partners at Relish Studio. Um, and we were able to kind of refine what we do to bring a little bit of a different uh, take to it where we recognized that we had the most fun and we did our best work when we were working for companies who had something more in mind than just making money. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, buying the owner's next yacht or, or Porsche or something like that. There was a, a mission behind um, 
what these companies were doing. And so we really pivoted uh, what we do to try to work with uh, purpose-driven businesses, nonprofits, people in that, in that kind of zone who, um, who, who really do have a little bit of a giving back mentality. So that's what we try to do here at Relish Studio. So I, I think that's our why, being able to uh, you know, serve authentically, um, you know, one of my declarations is I exist to serve. And, um, and so I really have embraced that. And, and, and that's what gets me up in the morning. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can I can relate to that story, because I feel like um, when I first moved into the nonprofit sector, I had a little bit of a background of doing some um, well, they were actually advertorials, and it was also in a in a physical magazine that got sent to people who who did uh, radio talk shows uh, back in the day, and but then moved into the nonprofit sector because I wanted to really support causes that I believed in. But it was also a little bit of the case of oh well, she can write, so she should do marketing for us, like you know, or and she's organized, so she can manage production. You know, it was very much right. kind of falling into it and. And, you know, not moving out of the out of the circles fast enough when it's like, well, OK, you, <laughs> you know, and um, and I've since moved away from that. But I feel like for a lot of people in the nonprofit sector, um, they may not come to their role with a huge amount of background or, you know, they may have some basic skills, but don't you know, don't have a degree in marketing or business or and, and they're kind of having to learn as they go. So. Where would you say is kind of a place to start uh, for folks who, you know, they, they somehow end up with that title, um, but aren't really, you know, don't necessarily have a real huge background in, in the field for, for a small yeah, organization? A, yeah, that's a really fantastic question. It's like marketing, uh, marketing title through necessity and opportunity there, right? Um, I think that... So we have a, a blog post that actually has gotten quite a bit of traction over the years um, that just talks about the marketing ecosystem and how complex it can be. And understanding that, you know, there are a thousand things that you can do in any given day. Um, but the, the best plan of action is to pick one and do it really well. And then you can move on into, you know, other other options. Um, understanding also where your audiences go to play. I think that there are a lot of people who who um, feel forced into social media, for example. Um, they may not be comfortable with it or you know, they're, they're trying to do all of the things in social media instead of just, just figuring out which one will have the most impact and, uh, and going there. Um, so I, I think starting, you know, we always try to start with Kind of values, vision, mission, um, making sure that that there's a good understanding, a good solid understanding of of you know what makes your organization different, and then really rolling into into the the audience. Who who are the people who are going to support your organization, for example, and where do they go to get information? Where do they go to engage and and start there? Um, so, for example, in the nonprofit world, um, the the boomer generation is still um, you know, one of the most powerful uh, donor uh, pools out there. Um, but there are a lot of new social media platforms out there that are exciting and fun and, and people want to play in. But, you know, for example, putting all of your eggs into the TikTok basket when your organization and the donor pool is really in the 
you know, more aligned with the Facebook basket or even direct mail or, or email basket is, uh, is something that you want to consider. Um, so just making sure that you are, are hitting things, uh, you know, hitting the people where they, where they show up. Um, there are programs out there to help with uh, coaching. In fact, Relish Studio has a coaching program as well, where we help budding marketers uh, learn more about marketing and, and become um, more adept at, at being able to fill that role within their organizations. So you know, I'd say that, that, that going out and trying to, to seek out those types of, of service opportunities or learning opportunities would be another, another place to, to start. Uh, as you're as you're kind of dipping your toe in the in the marketing pool. Yeah, and you make some great points there. I mean, one one of the things that as I was thinking about our conversation today, I was thinking about was, you know, with marketing today, there're just so many different options, different directions that people can go in, different channels. And so starting about thinking who are you trying to reach? Mm-hmm. Who, who you're trying to, you know, educate or inform about what you're doing, what your organization is doing, and then where they hang out. And going there instead of, oh, well, I'm comfortable writing, so I'm going to do a blog, but no one's going to come to it. Or, you know, um, from your own kind of comfort level of like, oh, I have fun on Instagram, so I'm going to go there. Um, Yeah. 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 So thinking about it from the other person's point of view of where are your donors uh, or potential donors and and how can you reach them where they already are? Yeah, that's a great point. One of the things that we've done, you know, we have a blog. but one of the things we recognized is it's it's really challenging to get people to come to your site for a regular blog post type of scenario. Um, so we looked at a couple of ideas and and one of those was, why don't we go where the audience is? And so I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, you know, basically putting material there. It can be it can be reused on the blog, so it's not like you can't use that material on your site as well. And um, we've actually seen a, a strong growth in both organic and um, kind of redirected traffic from LinkedIn to our site. Um, so you know, I think that what I really recognized was I was able to reach a, a larger audience if I went to where they were actually hanging out rather than asking them to come, come join me where I was hanging out. Yeah, exactly. And I think you, the other thing that you talked about right there was just the ability to use one thing, but re, you know, put it in different places, mm-hmm. repurpose it. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, that, that's a great opportunity for organizations, especially when they're, they're, you know, stretched so thin, uh, mm-hmm. They don't need to be in that constant churn of we've got to create something new all the time of like, what's the, you take the one thing and how can you use it in five different ways? So yeah, if somebody were to yeah, try to exactly. do some more repurposing of what they're already producing, what, what are some ways that you would talk them through kind of thinking about that? Yeah, well, a uh, podcast is a great example. You can start with a, an audio uh, or a video um, explanation or discussion or conversation. And from that, you can get a variety of different materials. So uh, I have a podcast, it's called Relish This, it's about nonprofit marketing. Um, and I have conversations with nonprofit leaders and experts in the field um, who uh, bring a lot to the table in terms of, of uh, opportunities to just have discussions around, around marketing and how people can do a better job. So there's one asset there, which is the podcast itself. 
Um, that podcast theoretically uh, can be broken into sound bites. If there are nice little quotes in there, those can be leveraged on social media. Um, you can put a sound bite out that give, is a teaser um, to the show uh, that drives people back to the podcast itself. The uh, transcript of, of the podcast becomes an opportunity to create written content that can be used in a variety of different ways, both on social media and uh, on a blog, um, et cetera. Uh, in fact, you know, one of the one of the ideas around starting the show was that I would get a book out of it. Out of it, uh, you know, I'd have let's say fifty-two conversations, and from that we'd have a book uh, essentially. Uh, I have not yet written that book, um, but it's certainly there and the opportunity there to take what started as an audio recording, <clears throat> and you know, pretty quickly enables you to repurpose that material, um, you know, in a variety of different ways uh, to to get the most out of that one piece of, of, uh, of media. Um, you know, I am also always on the lookout during my show for for um, blog opportunities and, and ideas. Um, and so we leverage it that way, as well as send out an email about the show, send out an email with that, with those uh, blog post opportunities. Um, so you know, we're repurposing, you know, a, what started as as one conversation into a whole variety of different materials. We also publish the the audio to uh, YouTube as you know as a video. Um, I know there are a lot of podcasters out there that record video for their their shows as well. So you know, there's just a lot of a lot of ways to uh, to take one piece of media and make it really last. Yeah, I mean, I started um, including transcripts uh, of the interviews, um, mostly from a my initial motivation was just around um, accessibility in terms of a deaf community who obviously can't listen to a podcast. Um, but then I just, you know, I realized there was someone who said, oh, I, who, who is hearing, who said, you know, I love the fact that you do transcripts because I don't generally listen to podcasts, but I love reading, you know, reading the conversation. So it makes it accessible to folks, whether they have a, you know, a challenge in the way or not. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, and then all those things that you're talking about of kind of how can you springboard from that one piece. Um, what do you see as kind of the biggest challenges facing nonprofits when it comes to marketing and getting the word out about the work that they do? Well, um, you know, it really depends on the nonprofit, the maturity level of, of, of each nonprofit, I would say, um, you know, I, I think that nonprofits tend to have a real challenge in the kind of attract phase. Um, so if you, if you consider our idea of there are essentially four major phases of a stakeholder's life cycle, uh, attract, bond, um, connect, and then inspire. And within those, you can break it out into a little more granularly where people need to know about you. So they need to find out who you are. Um, they need to then develop a sense of, of liking you where they're, they're like, okay, yeah, this is a, this is a person I'm interested in, in continuing to follow trusting you. So, you know, providing, um, you know, proof that you're doing a good job or, um, you know, social proof that, that demonstrates that, uh, that you know what you're doing. 
And then we kind of move into the connect phase. So that those are part of the bond or the attract and bond phase. We move into the connect phase where they're really being able to um, try and buy. Um, so, you know, small offers, small opportunities to uh, have a value exchange. And usually that's, you know, an email for, well, it starts with time for value. And then you kind of escalate that to perhaps an email address for value. And then eventually that becomes a, a financial uh transaction where you're actually getting a donation um, and then uh, or, or a purchase if your nonprofit actually has uh, has a product that they can sell. And then we move into the inspire phase, which is essentially once you have established that kind of financial transactional relationship, um, moving into the inspire phase is really getting those people to um, to shout your praises, to spread the, the message, to uh, reach a wider audience, as well as repeat. So, you know, taking a one-time donor and, and turning them into a second-time donor, turning them into a monthly donor, um, maybe getting their business involved and having those those relationships grow um, into something that's that's bigger than what it first started, which might be, you know, a simple $20 donation. Um, and so, so really, I think that the some of the big challenges lie in that attract phase. What are the things that we can do as a nonprofit to get the word out and encourage people to come learn more? Um, you know, what are those offers? What are those things that are going to get people to to kind of say, "Oh, I want to learn more about this"? And and that tends to be, um, I think, one of the one of the biggest areas of, of challenge is is just starting to, you know, how do I how do I get in front of the right people to get them to, to come to my site or to learn more about me? So what are the, some things that um, you've seen uh, organizations be successful in, in terms of that attract phase or that, you know, just building some awareness around the work that the organization's doing? You know, I think that organizations, one of the things that, that we see organizations of almost every type uh, struggle with is, how to position themselves as the guide in the story. All of us want to be the hero in our own stories. Um, and most organizations fall into that trap where when they talk about themselves, when they talk, when they're attempting to talk to their audiences, they tend to talk more about themselves than their audiences and fail to really see opportunities to reframe that narrative um, where the audience becomes the hero of that story. Um, and it's, it's a challenge in the nonprofit space because, you know, people are out doing really good work. Um, they are out there, you know, changing lives and, and, you know, perhaps saving lives. Um, and so it's, it's pretty easy to fall into that trap of, you know, we do this type of language. Um, I think reframing that narrative and doing the best that you can to, uh, to put it into that perspective where your donors, where that those audience people, uh, the people in that audience are, are framed as the hero of that story. So, um, you know, trying to figure out what their motivations would be to donate to your organization, what is inspiring them to, to, you know, fill that role and then framing your narrative around that is, uh, is one, one way to just start that, that process. <clears throat> Certainly, as we've discussed a, a few minutes ago, you know, making sure that you're 
you're in the right place to be starting those conversations is is uh, important as well. I would recommend that you know every organization out there do a survey of their of of their constituents of their stakeholders and just find out where you know where they go to get information. Um, you know, are they on what social channels are they on? Where do they? How do they even like? Uh, uh, gathering information. So, you know, is it, I like to read, I don't want to watch a video. Um, and that'll really inform not only where to go, but kind of what media type to, uh, to leverage in that place in order to, to, uh, get in front of the right people and, and, uh, and create materials with that they'll be interested in, in engaging with. Can you give me an example of kind of turning that around, that reframe that you're saying of mm. being the guide versus the hero in the story? Yeah, so an example in the nonprofit space might be, let's say you are a, let's say you're an organization that um, builds trails and advocates for trail use in a, in a certain area. Um, one of the ways that you might reframe that conversation, so instead of saying, hey, we help save the trails um, and keep them clean and and uh, you know ready for ready for all of all of the access that people might want you might want to reframe that in the perspective of of we know that you are passionate about trails and want to keep them safe so by donating today you help um, you help keep this area's trails um, open and accessible we're all. Yeah, so it's turning it around again. I mean, just like you were saying at the beginning where it's, you know, go go where the folks are, right? Rather than where you want to hang out and then put them in the center of the story instead of instead of yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, just uh, really appreciate that. You talked about maturity levels of organizations. Kind of, I'm curious what you see, like, you know, obviously there, there are organizations that are early on, kind of small, as they get mm -hmm. bigger, um, what are some different things that you see as kind of opportunities as, as organizations grow uh, to ex maybe, I don't know whether it's necessarily expand their marketing, but um, maybe do it differently as they grow? Yeah, so I think as organizations grow, and it, this can be any organization, you <clears throat> have have built up an audience. You have built up a, a base of clients or uh, donors or stakeholders that are that have raised their hand, that are ready to continue to engage with your organization if you just ask them. And so the lowest hanging fruit tends to fall into that inspire phase where it's way easier to get a donor to donate again than it is to take someone through that entire journey of attract, bond, and connect and get them to donate a first time. We, as people, love new shiny things. It's just, for whatever reason, our brains are are geared toward how exciting it is to, to land something new. So it's a little boring to go back to you know, to, to Stephanie or Jim or, 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 or Gail and say, Hey, would you be willing to give us, you know, would you be willing to, to donate again? Could we turn you into a, a potentially a, a month monthly donor? Um, that just isn't as exciting in our brains, but it's the way easier uh, opportunity. Um, so two things there. First is, is you know, it's way easier to, to get someone to donate again than it is to get them to donate the first time. And the second thing is those people 
also have demonstrated their um, their interest in your organization and their desire to help your organization. And so even even if they aren't able to donate again right now, they will probably be willing to share your mission with their networks. So that repeat and refer uh, area is something that we see as more available to a mature organization because you've just simply been around for longer and you have those connections built up versus a you know a, a startup nonprofit who right now doesn't really have a whole lot of opportunity to um, re-engage donors if they if they're just starting to get them. Yeah, and I uh, what comes to mind is kind of the the um, phrase of uh, oh you're just preaching to the choir. Well, you need the choir, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and the choir, um, yeah, are those folks that that continue to to show up, uh, maybe at your events, maybe you know participating in programs, donating, all of those okay. different things. And so, um, you know, making sure that you're treating the choir well is 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 important. Yeah, well, and hey, you know, to, to extend that metaphor, the choir sings really, really well. Right, right. So How can you help them sing to let, more, let more broader, sing. broader audiences? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And a lot of times that's just giving them something to say, um, you know, writing that <clears throat> that social post and sharing it, writing an email that they can share with their with their team, just, to, you know, getting them one step down the road, you know, saying, hey, feel free to modify this however you'd like, but here's, you know, here's some ways that, that you can spread this message a little bit, a little bit more effectively, and we wanted to help you uh, help make that easier. Um, you know, that's that's certainly among the recommendations that we would have for uh, you know that referral type of uh, of engagement. Yeah, that that point of making it easy for folks. Um, I, I was on a with a group uh, the other day, and a woman was talking about you know she wanted to take action in this particular arena. Um, and, and she, you know, went on to a website, it was, this was around, you know, advocating for voting rights and she, she, mm -hmm. you know, was motivated. She went, but there was just so much information on the website. It was so complicated. It just overwhelmed her and it, she ended up in paralysis. She didn't take any action, even though she was motivated enough to go to their website and try to read, but they, they didn't, you know, keep it simple. You know, they wanted to give the person all the information. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, it probably had the opposite impact that they actually wanted. Uh, yeah. because she didn't end up, you know, making the phone calls to that, that they were hoping that she would do. Um, yeah. Or anyone who would show up on the website, right? Um, and was yeah. motivated to take action. Yeah, we tend to fall into the trap of, of wanting to tell people all the things. And... Um, if we can focus on one thing at a time, this is why I've, I've gotten a little bit away from newsletters um, and have started focusing email outreach on a single idea and a single action. Um, so instead of giving people kind of a choose your own adventure monthly newsletter where, you know, there are nine things that they could possibly get interested in and, and maybe go explore, um, you know, hitting people more frequently with with more focused, uh, intentional, single, single idea emails has proven to be a lot more effective. Yeah, I've seen that uh, for myself. I started when I first started out. I did um, a newsletter where I went once a month where I shared both. I did a twice twice monthly blog, and so I shared links to each of them. And you know, after a year, looked at my stats, and every single month. The one at the top 
was the one that got opened more. So I was like, well, and, and the one, one further down, you know, just didn't. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I went to one thing, one email, one thing. Um, yeah. And people yeah. are just so bombarded with information that, um, yeah, I think that that kind of desire to tell you everything that you know, um, it's, it's, you know, it's a, we've got a lot to share. We want to, we want to do that. But um, what, what's that one thing that you really want people to take away or take action on is important. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, we've found that, you know, creating synergy between your your email message and where you're sending people as well is super effective. And so making sure that, you know, the tendency is to be just like, okay, well, we'll send them to the homepage. Well, once I get to the homepage, there's, you know, dozens of things on most sites that people can do from there. So even creating a single landing page that's, that's, you know, this is the action that we want you to take um, coming from that particular email um, is, is a really valuable exercise. So um, what do you see as kind of the opportunities uh, for organizations as they're trying to, you know, connect with people, attract them, do that bonding, uh, help them get to know each other, create that relationship, really? It's not just about, mm -hmm. you know, that transaction um, and then moving them to inspire. Uh, what are some of the opportunities that you're seeing? Um, is it kind of, you know, stay the course and don't get distracted with the shiny new things or are there are some new things that are coming along that people should be paying attention mm. to. Well, that's the one fun thing about marketing is there's always something new. There's <laughs> a, you know, a, something that's either falling out of favor because it's no longer really working um, or coming into favor because it's, um, you know, it's something that people are trying. I would say <clears throat> nonprofits have a tendency to lag in terms of what they are are doing. Um, you know, they just don't have the bandwidth to stay on top of the latest trends. However, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, most of most of the donations are still coming from the the boomers um, at this point. That'll you know fairly quickly move into Gen Xers, um, and it, it just tends to be the people with uh, you know more less time left on the earth, as well as uh, you know more income opportunities or more, more dis disposable income opportunities um, tend to give a little more. It's just kind of, we, we tend to do that as we age. So I would say nonprofits should probably be a little less focused on the newest information uh, delivery mechanism or, or marketing channel and stay focused more on uh, some of the things that are a little bit more tried and true. And for example, email continues to be a, a very viable um, way to engage with uh, with some of the older populations. That's been something they're comfortable with. Email, if someone's on your email list, they tend to have raised their hand at some point. So they tend to be a little more engaged with you than just, you know, something that happens to flow into their, um, you know, their feed. I would say consistency is something that that most uh, most businesses, in, including nonprofits, can benefit from. Is just creating a um, you know a content map, a uh, a roadmap for what you know the next six months look like. Develop themes around that that uh, roadmap. 
So, you know, maybe April is going to be when you talk about this particular program. Um, May is going to be when you promote some event or sweepstakes opportunity that you have, um, et cetera, and then develop the content that helps support that theme. And then just be, get really good at, at uh, executing on, on that content. Um, you know, just be consistent about it. When shiny things, I call it the shiny squirrel syndrome. Um, when those things come up, you know, put them, put them in a, a sandbox and, and be willing to uh, explore those as future opportunities, but don't let those, try to not let those get in the way of, of the plan. Yeah, I appreciate the, the notion of, you know, you don't, you don't need to be on top of all the trends and, um, you know, t picking a couple things, doing it well, doing it consistently. Um, those all can have multiplier effects. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I think that may be kind of a sigh of relief for most people in the nonprofit <laughs> sector where it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do so many different things. And, and, um, I mean, I think probably that, that, uh, kind of those principles would, would work in a lot of different areas within an organization. Oftentimes, um, you know, where I'm working with them around strategy, it's, it's, it's also trying to figure out what are the couple big things that you're going to be focused on, not, you know, 95 different things that could, you yeah. could be doing uh, within a particular space. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it kind yeah. of aligns there. Yeah, you mentioned relationships earlier, and and frankly, I see marketing as just relationship building. Whether you're selling, trying to sell a widget, um, or let's say a bottle of soda, or trying to get someone to to come on board as a, a major corporate donor, it's all about building relationships and getting good at having those conversations consistently, um, and and making sure that those are authentic. And I would say if there's if there's ever one thing to do um, for an executive director or a, a, a donation manager or you know someone out there, it's pick up the phone or get people on calls and ask them questions and develop relationship with them. Um, you know, even you know, even buying soda, for example, is you know Coke and Pepsi and all those guys are out there trying to develop a relationship with a with a, a customer and it, it may be a fairly easy relationship to develop you know a dollar or whatever how much however much a soda costs these days um you know is not a heavy lift to get somebody to try something but at the end of the day you're, you're building you know awareness so know getting people to know who you are getting people to like you to trust you to try to buy to repeat and refer um you know that's that that's that cycle that, that we want to get people into. And, um, and yeah, it, it's just about having authentic, uh, you know, conversations is, is really, it, you know, if there was one thing that every nonprofit leader or their team could do, it would be put, you know, contact X amount of people and have good solid uh, conversations with them every week. And, and just put a number to that and, and make sure you're hitting that number. Yeah, and I think just keeping the relationship and the conversation front of mind. Um, so even when you're you're creating something that may not, you know, be in a conversation format and back and forth, to, to remember that whatever you're sharing is only one half of the conversation. So what's, what's the other half that you kind of want back? Mm -hmm. So 
that back mm -hmm. and forth, I think is really important. Yeah, and developing opportunities to just provide value, you know, whatever that is. So we talked about content a little while ago. You don't always have to be, you don't always have to come up with the big story in, you know, out of, out of, you know, thin air um, to be a, a good blog post. If there's something that aligns with your mission that, you know, another organization is doing or that's interesting. Um, you know, I had a conversation last night about food scarcity at, uh, at a, a meetup that I, um, that I had up here with some, some buddies. And, you know, there's information there that I could then share. I didn't come up with it. I just found out about it. Um, but you know, that's like being the maven, being the, the person willing to share that information. Um, you know, if you can just reach out to somebody and be like, Hey, I saw this article. It reminded me of you. Here's why I think it's important or why, um, I thought you might be interested. Um, let me know what you think and send that to an individual or send that to your list in a, in an authentic kind of capacity that that's good content. Yeah, I actually love the parts of newsletters where it's what what's, what what we're reading right now or what we're listening to, um, uh, and and you know some of my most read things have been my little like you know short reviews of of books et cetera because people are always on the lookout for recommendations um, you know from people as you said the, from people that that they trust and and uh, they know kind of have a have a similar perspective. Um, yeah. 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 We'll be back after this quick break. Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com slash resources. We're back on Mission Impact. So at the end of uh, each podcast, I um, ask a, a, a somewhat random icebreaker question. I have a box of icebreaker questions that I, nice. I pull them out of. And um, so I've got a couple here for you. I'll just ask you one. Uh, what I usually do is pick out three and then kind of see where the conversation goes and see what I'm pulled to, you know, pulled to, to then ask. Um, so what's the best advice that you've ever received? Wow, the best advice. I have been fortunate throughout my life to be able to engage with experts in a variety of different fields. Um, you know, business, personal life, um, you know, e even athletics. I've just somehow managed to <clears throat> be able to spend time with world champions and, and, um, and people of, of that nature. So I've received a lot of amazing advice over the years. I think that probably the, the best advice I have that I could share is to be yourself. And if you can come to every conversation and every interaction as you and be authentic and be um, interested and and all of those things, but essentially coming from that, from who you are, um, you're, you're going to feel more fulfilled and you're going to develop better, stronger relationships. It's that authenticity piece that I think is, is super important. Yeah, so and I be think, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that goes for organizations as well, right? Be, be themselves. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're social creatures and we're, our antennae are pretty good for when people are faking it, right? <laughs> and they're not, they're phony or whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's, that's great. That's great advice. And we're always stepping into that, uh, I think, yeah. as, we, as we continue to evolve, hopefully. Um, yeah, I hope so. It feels to me, um, you know, I, I've been around in the business world since, I mean, I guess I, I graduated college back in the in the early 90s and so entered the business world pretty pretty soon thereafter. And for a while there, there was a, a real trend to never show weakness and never, mm. you know, never be, um, you know, demonstrate that, that things might not be going well um, or ask for help. And and I, I'm very encouraged and maybe it's just the people that I hang with, but I'm very encouraged to see, at least among that group, people being more and more vulnerable and more and more willing to share both the good things and the bad things that are going on. Um, you know, I think that social media has created a, a situation where a lot of us uh, aren't given the opportunity to, to see how, you know, people may be struggling um, because they just put out the good stuff out there and, and just really understanding that it's okay to be vulnerable and, and when you can be yourself and, and do show up in, in an authentic way, um, you know, good things happen. Yeah, and, I, and, and with that, I think I, I appreciate, uh, I think it's, uh, I've heard it from Brene Brown of also being aware of who's, who's earned uh, the right to your story, who's earned the right to, you know, what levels of vulnerability? Um, are you mm -hmm. are you telling a story from a wound or a scar? So I think that that's also important when you, those those big, big blanket statements don't, you know, obviously it never works in every situation, but uh, the more that you can, you know, be willing to, yeah, recognize, you know, and, and share when, when you're struggling and, um, you know, that you, that you, that you need help right um mm -hmm. and ask for help i think is is uh some certainly something that i i've had to step into and learn more about as i as i grow older so yeah appreciate that so what no, are you excited about what's coming up for you um what's emerging in your work well really i think that one of the things that i have been working on for quite some time and it's it's uh, really coming to fruition and i'm i'm incredibly excited about it is something i spoke about a little while ago, which is this coaching opportunity. Um, I love helping people. I love helping people be their best selves. And so um, being able to create a coaching program that uh, puts me in a, in, a, in a position to be able to help people in that capacity has been really fulfilling. And I'm super excited to continue to expand that program. Um, so, you know, it's something that, um, you know, we have I have several several coaching clients at this point, and um, and so it's it's really fun to be able to meet with them on a on a regular basis and watch their progress and and see how much they can come alive in in the marketing space and be able to contribute to the the growth and success and ability for their organizations to uh, to expand their mission. Yeah, so it goes back to that. You don't have to do it. You don't. You don't have to go it alone. You can. Uh, oh. You can get help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, there's there are lots of resources available out there, and I'm certainly available. And and you know, if somebody would like to discuss, you know, some of the challenges they're facing or or what coaching might look like, I'd be happy to uh, to chat with them about that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the podcast. 
Oh, it's been a super pleasure. I'm, I'm excited to, to uh, be able to have this chat with you and uh, look forward to talking with you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carol. I appreciated Stu's point about thinking about all of your communications from the point of view of those you're trying to reach. So if your average donor is a baby boomer, spending a lot of time on TikTok is probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Where do they hang out? And how can you go to them? And then, when you're telling your, your story, making yourself the guide, not the hero of the story. Putting the people that benefit from your work at the center instead of yourself. And that can be a little tricky because you don't want to be in the business of not respecting your uh, client's privacy or using their challenge challenges as what people sometimes call inspiration porn. At the same time, how can you get yourself out of the way of the story you're trying to tell? I also appreciated Stu's emphasis on keeping it simple, asking people to do one thing and just one thing. When I'm talking to, to people as part of the strategic planning process that I support, I asked them if they had a magic wand and they could change the organization in any way, what would their wishes be? And so if I were to give myself a magic wand, it would be to have every policy person who wrote, writes policy updates and asks their constituents to take action write an email, call their representatives, I would ask them to simplify their message. If they really want to share all the details, I would love them to have two options. Click here for the highlight summary, and most have a sentence or two explaining why they want me to take the action they do, and then provide an, a mechanism for me to do that, keeping it simple. And then they can include this, the second option. If you want all the details, click here. But right now, most of the advocacy communications that I receive only have the second option. And maybe the policy people think that is the simple version, but not to a layperson like me. So yes, keep it simple and to the point. And with that, I should get to the point. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to contact Stu in his bio, full transcript of our conversation, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. And I'd like to thank Isabel Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Kuster of 100 Ninjas for her production support. Please take a minute to review Mission Impact on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I hope, of course, that you subscribe so that you will get future episodes. Reviewing the podcast helps other people find out about it, and we appreciate it. Thanks a lot and talk to you soon.